episode 37 of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. Let's get to it. We've got a lot to accomplish today, and I want to take you down the Al Moon Road. In fact, the Al Moon Lab Road down in Cottage Grove, Oregon. Uh, developing story still. And we're going to play some field audio, stuff that has never been aired before and some familiar sounds, and we'll take a deep dive into that and also play some voices uh, from, I guess, going on a field trip to the actual spot. So I'll explain more in a second. Thank you again to our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, Etsy.com. And I said last time it was museum quality. It's actually gallery quality, spirit tools, drums, and rattles. It's now in the town of Stanwood, uh, Washington. You can go see the Casera Gallery, Feral by Aaron's drums, painted on by ancient alien star Marcia K. Moore at the Casera Gallery, Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N at Etsy.com. All right, next up, I'm going to have some information on the Al Moon Lab and get into some of the audio here. We'll be right back. Okay, let's get started with how this is going to work. These are field audio clips. And explanation for them is going to be laid out before each clip. Do you need a little bit of background on what the Al Moon Lab is? Well, if you listen to episode one, or go type in the Al Moon Lab in Facebook or YouTube, it'll pop up with uh, some presentations I've made Uh but a quick and short, we'll take a minute to explain. An inexplicable spot. I suspect a portal in Cottage Grove, Oregon. These, I guess you'd call them sacred spots or places where the veil is thin exist all over the planet. Who knows how and why they exist? There's many theories. I've been waiting a long time to find out if any of this stuff is actually real or bullshit. I came back saying real and real cool at that we had a chance and i say we i mean me and the property owners the adams family had a chance to really take a deep dive in and record a lot of audio take a lot of video and pictures and some actual samples i'm talking hard evidence away from this location and it got weird real quick at first we thought Man, it seemed really squatchy. It seems totally Bigfooty. The the physical stuff that we walked away with really marked all that. And if you know anything about long term witnesses that actually have this phenomena on a pretty much daily basis come in and around their property, because this place is way out there in the deep deep woods, um, that's exactly the kind of stuff that uh, was happening there. But the rabbit hole got deep real quick. And so some of the sounds you're going to hear are pretty squatchy. But there is a whole host of other, <laughs> I guess we call them unlabeled sounds, EVPs, ghostly activity, um, footsteps, screams, uh, in particular this metal shop that was built uh, right next to the main property. Uh, has a lot of audio examples. In fact, uh, let's begin inside this, what we suspect is this portal in and around this metal shop. 
and we're going to start off with something, oh, I guess, kind of rowdy and light. This is what we call the the battle in the shop. And oh, by the way, these sounds are going to be spread out through years and dates and kind of coming back and forth uh, from 2019 to 2018. I'll, I'll give you as close to the time and date as possible and explanation of this. Okay, but back to the shop. This is an inexplicable sound from the winter months of 2018 and the beginning of 2019, two in the morning on a clear night. Things that we ruled out, well, I hope they're obvious to you. Um, Really, there's no way to prove any of this to anybody. Uh, All I can tell you is that we did our best to debunk every one of these sounds here. The weather was good that night. There was no explanation for there being a critter, bird, human. Um, In this case, uh, a giant hailstorm that came out. The the shop is metal, so it will sound uh, like a hailstorm, but uh, that's not what it was. And uh, we have our, our reasons... Well, we'll play you more sounds, and uh, you'll get the hang of this as we go along here. So if you imagine, if you will, a Tascam DR05 stereo recorder, which is my go-to field recorder, set up in a shop where we feel like there is this inexplicable activity coming to and fro the inside and out of the shop. And it is a large lock shop that you can stick two RV campers in. Less than six months old, it was built, and the activity started immediately, uh, especially after we put the doors and walls on it. I say we, like I built it, but after the Adams family did, and Daryl Adams to be exact. And anyway, so this is one of those times where we stuck the recorder inside the shop and walked away. This is uh, the battle in the shop, is what we have it titled under. And it's going to sound a lot like a hailstorm. So let's go ahead and play you an example of the Al Moon Lab. So there you have it. That's an example of what I was trying to explain to you. It sounds a lot like a hailstorm. And if you weren't paying attention, you may just pass it off as being a hailstorm. But we paid attention. And oh, by the way, you should probably adjust your audio. Along the way here, you're going to hear some sounds that are going to be harder to hear and some very easily to easy to hear, but you're going to want to tweak your treble and bass, especially if you're in a car stereo where I suggest to listen to these sounds. Some of them tweak up the bass. Some of them turn down the bass, tweak up the treble. Uh, if you have an equalizer, even better. Uh, play with that in your in your car. Uh, that was the battle inside the garage. It sounded a lot like hail. Now, is it possible that was hail and there was no evidence of any hail? or rain from that late, early morning, 2 a.m.? 
I guess so. I, I, I wasn't sleeping in the garage that day, but we had slept in the garage and incredible stuff had happened in and around the shop. Um, let's play some other sounds here. Let's play a clip from researcher Rin Varney. Now, Rin was the neighbor, a, a recent uh, neighbor that had moved in. In fact, we did an episode with Rin a while back. If you go into the archives there of Strange Brow Radio, I believe it's near episode 21, I believe, uh, we interviewed the neighbor, uh, a well-educated guy that had actually worked with researcher Lauren Coleman and Lloyd Pye, and he was anxious to get to the bottom of this mystery, not only at the Al Moon Lab property, but as on, on his own property. There was inexplicable stuff, including animals being killed, uh, strange lights in the sky, and um, some other strange stuff possibly in the house. And we had Wren come into the shop one night, and we rolled camera and video while he was in there, mainly uh, audio. And what we did is we invite him to go inside the shop there and do a night sit. We lock all the doors, and we do these little 15-minute, I guess, challenges or experiments to see where the audio is coming from via an EVP. And we'll get into more about what I think those are or whether or not these sounds can be heard with your, heard with your own ear. And this is Rin uh, after he had an experience inside this locked garage with us standing outside of it. Let's, let's hear uh, the perspective of the neighbor. Um, that was cool. That was, that was super cool because, you know, you and I just were getting to know each other, and I was a flesh and blood or Bigfooter and interested in the paranormal and uh, ghosts and the other things beyond that we don't know. And um, we said, okay, yeah, let's check it out. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put a recorder in here and we're going to just sit and listen. And I'm all for that. So I'm like, sweet, let's do it. It was after a late night of um, a strange brow podcast that act and fiddle. So we were a group of us hanging out and um, we were talking about the game where we go in and we started to hear some clunks and bunks. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, this is interesting. It, I don't know what it is. It could be the heat expanding. Like, we pretty much try to rule out every option. I mean, you've been doing this for so long that you already, you're like, nope, that's definitely the uh, the metal buckling on the roof. Um, so I'm like, okay, cool. My, my turn to go in. So go in, sit in the dark, and just wait. And oftentimes on the, uh, like the task cam or the recorder, you can hear something outside from the speaker that the person inside doesn't hear and I, I was really looking forward to what was going to happen with me because I'm open I'm like, okay cool so I get in there and I sit down and I sat down Indian style right in the middle and I faced that back wall that um, you yourself and Daryl say has the most activity I'm facing the back wall it's pitch black in there what do you think the time was like 11 close to midnight it was late and um, I just sat there Indian style and um, it was so pitch black that I had no reason to keep my eyes open. So I'm pretty sure my eyes were closed and I was just doing my meditation pose and um, heard a couple of little clicks and booms and you guys probably agreed on the other side. Yep, heard that too. And um, <laughs> heard footsteps right outside, right the direction I was looking on the backside of the, um, the garage. So I hear walking across so i immediately was like oh these guys are messing with me 
This is the first time here doing this with these guys. Like, this isn't real. So I ran out, and I see everybody on the porch, you included, stand up, going, what's going on? And I just looked at you, ran to the other side, and was like, what the heck was that? Who's out here? Did you guys hear that too? And they were like, no, dude, we're just sitting right here. And clear as day, I heard footsteps walking by, and I believe he actually caught that on the, the recording. Um, that was my first experience there of a few experiences, and it really made me wonder what's actually happening. All right, as I said, that was Ren Varney had his own uh, experience, and you can go listen to a prior episode. I believe it's episode 21, the Ren Varney Al Moon Technician episode. He gets into more detail about some other stuff that happened later on after that. Okay, next, let's get into some more chaotic sounds. Let's let's just take a deep dive here. We started with what could be a hailstorm. I got you there. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Okay, now what do we do at 9 in the morning? Okay, this is a separate sound. The recorder was left inside the lock shop. And Daryl goes to the dog groomer, takes his dog Izzy to the dog groomer. The recorder's still inside the garage. Beautiful uh, summer morning. And inside this locked shop at night in the morning, these chaotic sounds, utter chaos, starts to happen. And what you're about ready to hear, don't listen for just metal. I want you to hear the sounds that get hit plunked, banged, uh, squeezed, (laughs) Uh, wood, cement, metal, plastic, glass, um, fabric. There's a lot of different sounds. It sounds like a pinball flying around uh, mid-air. You know, it's, it's just utter chaos. It's, well, let's just play it. Inexplicable sounds inside the locked shop. Plastic, wood, metal, cement, uh, gosh, plastic. I, there's a lot of different sounds to, to actually listen to there. I know it sounds pretty, pretty damn crazy, and it sounds like a possible bird loose inside of the garage there, but uh, we ruled all that stuff out there, and the way we did it was that we would lay down giant uh, tarps once in a while to see if we could catch any kind of feather or any kind of bird poop or anything like that. And there was just no examples of that being the explanation there. Okay, we're starting out light. Those were the inexplicable banging and hit sounds from inside the garage. Now, those are mother load sounds. It wasn't always like that, but those give you an example of just how wild it is. And those are the kind of things that 
we paid attention to as being something maybe more than nothing. Now, meanwhile, there is a lot of weird gifts being left all around the property, inside the house, outside of the house. There were greasy handprints found on the doorway to the garage, on the inside spare bedroom uh, actually adhered to one of the veneer doors. These prints were four-fingered, small, childlike, greasy, white, chalky handprints about three feet up the doorway by uh, near the actual doorknob. And then a lot of the greasy handprints were way oversized, and a couple times uh, we even found hair attached to the greasy fingertips of the handprints, and we recorded all this. Um, this is just getting to the tip of the spear here as far as the weirdness uh, that was going on, visually speaking. And some of these sounds, we were uh, right on top of them. Uh, a lot of the sounds inside the garage, there came points where, well, as in the case of Wren, we were right there near where the activity was, monitoring it, and we started to do these experiments. And so that's what I want to play for you next. Some of these inexplicable sounds that can't be explained, uh, voices. This is a very clear, wild EVP, and it is many voices all at once inside this lock shop. And somehow, some way, we call this the yelling preacher. you that you're going to have to mess with your volume as you go along here. Now I've gone, I know we've gone from basically a one to a two to suddenly a nine and a half <laughs> with these inexplicable sounds here. There may be an explanation for what that is as far as there being a supernatural answer, an EVP. This echo chamber where the sounds erupt and suddenly cut off like a radio frequency. There was no radio uh, antenna nearby. There was nothing that could have contaminated it that crystal clear. Um, it is though you're kind of peering down a hallway where there's a million undistinguished voice or un... I don't know what language uh, we're hearing there, except I do think that I hear something uh, in the very tail end of it. In fact... A DJ uh, found this out for me, a local guy out of Eugene, Oregon, who has a trained ear, heard some, what I believe is English, towards the end of this EVP. And that's what we'll call it, because we really don't know what else to call it. And um, so at the very end here, let's play this clip here and tell me if you can hear what's being played uh, here. I hear the quote, now could there be any reason, 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 reason? Okay, so I hope you heard what I think is actual English coming through on that EVP. Now, I'm not going to bother trying to go through the list of reasons why this isn't voice contamination. You just need to sit back and enjoy the weird. Um, 
These are legitimate sounds, 100% authentic, unexplainable sounds that oftentimes we were very close to. In fact, in some cases, we were right there when they happened and we couldn't hear them with our own ears. And we'll get into what that might be. So the next one is an EVP moan. And this is a layered EVP, i.e. it is a video of a live recording off of a speaker that is amplifying sound from a recorder that is being fed through a wire into the garage through a locked door. So I have a video camera on a speaker from a recorder inside the garage and the sounds are happening as soon as we leave and close the garage door after hours. And the date and time on this one here is March 20th, 2019, at 12 a.m. Again, we're standing right there, listening, waiting for the sound. And this is a sound that we did not hear with our own ears. This sound was never heard. It was found only on the video clip. And I think that's pretty telling. There's a layer of, I guess we call it an energetic source. And I have only the voice of Henry Franzoni to thank for this. I call it the Franzoni theory, I guess, uh, where in between these layers you can find some amazing stuff. And a video of an audio uh, is where we found one of these EVPs. Let's play the EVP moan. Now, in the case of those sounds, or that sound, we were right there. We were right outside the garage shop. The recorder was being fed through a line. The shop was locked. It was a quiet, late hour. I believe I said around midnight, to be exact. Yeah, 12 a.m. And we were less than 30 feet away from the actual recorder, which was in this lock shop. And one of the theories is that recording with a just a simple camera phone pointed at the Bluetooth or the plugged-in speaker that wasn't didn't have the Bluetooth activated. We were just line feeding it and uh, amplifying the sound so we could listen to it from outside. We did never heard that sound with our own ears. Uh, a lot of hits had happened at that point, uh, smacks, knocks, things like that. And at the very end of this, we'll call it an EVP moan, there's a knock. Now, those knocks, I think, come into play throughout our experiences and other people that live and deal with uh, strange strange houses like this. These knocks, three of them in particular, right? But um, let's play another sound here. We also messed around with uh, using FaceTime and baby monitors. And so this is a FaceTime EVP with the phone left inside.
All right, again, that was just using an open-sourced face line phone sitting inside the locked garage, and we listened outside for a response, and that was one of the font, uh, responses we got. I have no idea what that voice is saying there. Maybe you can go back and uh, and help me out with any of these. We also heard um, the sound of children, little children's voices, and there was the use of what sounded like English. In this particular case, it sounded like uh, someone was actually saying the words, help me get back, and it sounds like a child. Now, these little tiny handprints we found inside the bedroom that I spoke about earlier didn't look human. They actually look like uh, four-fingered alien-type handprints, uh, weird spacing between the gnarled fingers that were this chalky white substance laid up against the veneer doors. But maybe there was a spirit of a child on the property or something trying to get through. And this was uh, recorded again in the shop. And let's play the get back one. And this was uh, winter of 2019 after midnight. Okay, so that's pretty disturbing. If that's what I think it's saying, I hear, help me, pause, get back. Do you? If that's a child saying, help me, get back, get back where? Is a child trapped? Is it there as some kind of penance or torture or curse or lost uh, no one really knows it's really only four or five examples of a child's voice coming in out of this place that we caught but the story about the property doesn't really just end with EVPs um, there's unfortunately a little bit of a dark history associated with the property there and I'll get into that uh, when we talk about uh, putting the book out, the Al Moon Lab book. It'll be coming out in 2020. I'll let you know more about that. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into some of the details of maybe what's going on with a child's voice locked into this property. Next, let's play another child's voice here from 2020, another child's EVP. All right, now that sounded childlike to me. Maybe it didn't to you. That that one, I guess, I'd put more up in the air for interpretation. Maybe childlike. Uh, a lot of these sounds, as I said, we were on the premises, waiting, listening. Once in a while, you doze off, but I don't think that's me making that sound. I have more of a grizzly bear type snore. <laughs> That is way more apparent, but not as bad as Daryl's. Jeez Louise. Anyway, it's true, Daryl. All right, let's take a quick little break here for our sponsor. 
and we'll be right back. Get into a more hairy epidemic of sorts from the Owl Moon Lab. Strange Brow Radio presents Podcasts Alive October 25th in historic Port Townsend, Washington at the very haunted Manresa Castle. From 7 to 11, guests to include live on stage, Ron Moorhead of the Sierra Sounds, and he's bringing in his Paracas Skulls, his elongated Paracas Skulls. Also, consultant for the LAPD, psychic medium Sarah Nash, and Barb Shoup, the woman behind the footage of the cloaking video. We're going to break down the cloaker video. Also, haunted housemaid to give a testimonial. And you, I'd love your testimonies as well. That's why you got to show up October 25th from 7 to 11 in Port Townsend, Washington. Go to the Castle NPT, INPT.com or book a room at ManresaCastle.com. Free show, did I mention? Free show. 7-Eleven, great food, great spirits. I'll see you there. I want to thank our sponsor, Farrell by Aaron, yet again. Now, I've mentioned time time again on the show that Farrell by Aaron is our one sponsor. But with a sponsor like this, you don't need any more because the fact is that these spirit tools actually work. And what do they work with? Well, they work with... Uh, elements of the earth and they're housed and built by an artisan out of the Olympic Peninsula, Aaron Jackson. Check out Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N at Etsy.com. Drums, rattles, smudge sticks, and coming soon, alchemy boxes. These are one of a kind, each one one of a kind. We're not talking about a factory here. And as two people told me, her instruments sing, and particularly the drums. So check out Feral by Aaron. Give a like, review, subscribe, share, go on the Instagram, and give a little love. May give it right back to you. Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. Okay, now on to round two. Now just keep in mind that as we move forward here, things are going to start to amp up. I think we started off, I said, at a level two and went up to a three. And then, in my opinion, went up to a, a level nine with a, a really obvious, outrageous uh, EVP. And then we hithered and dithered, I guess, a little bit about some speculation, whether or not these were children voices or whatnot. But as I said before, you can't categorize this area. You can't categorize the supernatural. It really belongs in the gray box. And so these sounds here are less gray. <laughs> they're, they're way more obvious uh, to me. And we're moving on into the, the world of the Sasquatch. Now, the, it's a rather long story, but if you want to catch up with uh, my own personal encounter story... You can do that. You can you can read Tom Powell's book, Edges of Science. There's a, a account in his book about uh, some things that I was involved with, along with some locals of Cottage Grove, Oregon. And it goes back and forth uh, between two different stories of what are known as 
the London tracks, which may or may not be authentic. Um, but the story surrounding them certainly is. And the aftermath, see, there was a kickoff point in 2012 and it, it kept me in Cottage Grove. And that's why, really, I, I found out about this area that exists not too far from where the tracks were found. So when the supernatural and Bigfoot cross paths, it's usually, in my opinion, as I said, at a long-term witness's location. Habituator is another name for this. And I'd encountered long-term witnesses before that said that they had perpetual UFO ghost Sasquatch action all mixed together and I'd I'd worked a couple of uh, I hate to say worked a couple cases because that's that just sounds so douchey I uh, I was invited out to some people's property and confirmed that that was the case and that's that's spoken about uh, a little bit in Tom Powell's book but for the most part it's Unless I've talked about it with you personally, no one really knows those stories. But these stories aren't confined to this me. It's it's very, very likely that most people that look into the Bigfoot subject wander into the supernatural. And they absolutely cover it up. They lie. They misguide you, misdirect you, and want you to think that they're, you know, only looking at something that's extraordinary to a degree but for god's sakes not like what i'm saying now <clears throat> but let's let's put all that in a different category here this these sounds here uh fit into the category of what i would classify as sasquatch encounters and the reason i say that is based upon all of the physical evidence that followed up before and after these sounds were collected now many of these sounds here have already been through spectrum analysis through Uh, The help of David Ellis, who is a a fantastic person and someone I I totally respect. And I look at him as a mentor the same way I do as Ron Moorhead of the Sierra Sounds and Tom Powell, the author. Uh, But David Ellis is in a position to look at voice analysis of whether or not it qualifies as being outside the human spectrum. And that's where he wants to draw the line. So most of the sounds that he ran through his own spectrum analysis were what I thought would qualify as outside of the human boundary. And so not all the sounds that you're hearing tonight have been cleaned up uh, through him or by him, but I will say that before I play any of these sounds, I I want to uh, thank him for his help, even though this got so darn weird and uh, he should be commended for working with with me alongside me to do this. And so there, I got that out of the way. Okay, so what sounds do we want to play here first? Well, why don't we start off with what we would call the fence stomp yell. Okay, so I'll set the scene for you on this. There's a front and a backyard to this property. And the backyard is much bigger than the front yard. Now, it is separated by a four-foot-tall wire fence, much like you would see like a deer fence, I guess you'd call it. And it separates uh, an apple orchard and 
miles and miles of forest, miles and miles of dense forest. And that's it. We had a parabolic microphone that we placed mainly most of the time in the backyard facing towards these miles and miles of forest and a digital Sony microphone recorder that uh, Daryl Adams would use. My recorder was set mainly out front, either underneath the wheel well of his or her, his or my Jeep, or her, it could have been Cindy's uh, Cherokee that we set the recorder on, so it wouldn't get wet, we just set it on the tire, or I'd set it near something like um, one of the stick glyphs that we would find on the property, or where these gifts would show up, I'd set the recorder. I, we'd always leave things out in the open. The only time we'd kind of obscure stuff is just due to weather, and that was just to protect it, or you know, make sure that the sound quality was there. Our recorders were never messed with, um, never. They were never hurt, damaged, moved. Um, if they were moved, they were put right back where they were found. They, they were, in fact, picked up and fiddled with a couple of times because we heard it. Um, and so the sound you're going to hear was recorded on, let me see if I got this, summer of 2018. This is with the parabolic microphone uh, pointing, as I said, towards the wood line. So what you're about to hear is something mm, approaching, we believe, either, well, we don't really know, something approaching near the microphone and the parabolic dish. And the way it approaches is it just kind of appears to start stomping towards the microphone. It doesn't fade in. You don't hear the sound slowly approach. It just pops in. And when it pops in, it sounds... Now, this is the part that I need your help with here to appreciate this. you got to turn up the bass. <laughs> and if you can get inside your car, as I said, that is a little sound studio. Most of us uh, have a nice stereo system and good speakers. So get in your car when you replay this because you're going to want to. And I want you to turn that bass up really loud and turn the volume up nice and loud. Although you won't need to, it will definitely help you feel as much as hear what's about to happen. So you're about ready to hear stomps. And they're coming towards the microphone. And <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the rest. Let's just play what we call the fence stomp, yell, and talk.
All right. That couldn't be more plain as to something approaching on two legs, bounding like a deer or an elk? I don't think so. And here's, <laughs> there's several reasons we, we, we ruled out deer. Now, since it is an apple orchard, we know that there are deer back there. We've seen the deer. We, we've watched the deer on night vision with flashlights, with thermal imaging. Here's the thing, though, is that the fence that this thing hits also bends the T-post down. If you don't know what a T-post is, a T-post is the, you know, the forged steel metal that you ram into the earth to wrap the deer fence around. The T-posts were bent down, three of them, at a almost 25 degree angle, like a, a wet noodle. And they were bent down about three quarters of the way up. And miraculously, the T-posts were bent back straight at a vertical angle within a matter of 24 hours. We also found hair attached to scat at the top of the deer fence in and there where the T-posts were, were put back into place. We'd also find gifts near the parabolic uh, usually it was fire stones, we'd call them, which is carnelian stone agates placed in front of the chair where the parabolic dish was attached to it, facing towards the, the forest. Um, the story goes on and on there. I'm only giving you 20% of, of what we have here uh, overall. So we ruled out deer when it came to that sound in particular based upon the actions in and around the sounds uh, and the, the evidence, I guess. Um, so you be the judge. If you think it was an elk or a deer, then God bless you. <laughs> or as they say in the South, bless your heart. So bless your heart. All right, let's, uh, let's go on to the next sound here. Next up, coming in at the charts, 2018 Summer Hits is going to be... Oh, wait, before I go on to that, if you go back and listen to that audio there, there is a knock or a pop uh, at the beginning of that audio. And it happens so quickly, but I don't. I think it's indicative of something about ready to happen because we would catch that with a lot of EVPs. Now, before and after and during the middle, there would be this knock, pop, or hit. And you hear that in a lot of paranormal cases. Also, you hear that uh, in relationship to uh, tree knocks. And there is like a tree knocky poppy sound that happens right before that stomp begins. So go back and listen to that. It might be worth your listening. Okay, as I said, uh, we're going back here to our Sasquatch Summer Hits. And the next uh, little clip I'm going to play is from the blackberry season now picture this i had a camper pushed up against the artesian spring uh, right next to uh, some kind of tree i don't remember and um it was on in the gravel uh and it was a giant gravel parking lot and it was facing basically towards the giant tree line which i just mentioned and the gravel road i would leave my recorder out and I would set it in the rail of where the canopy would draw down from the camper. Sometimes I would set it other places. Mostly I liked the little rail there because it acted as a shield from the elements. Uh, 
And I was working the late shift. And I would fall asleep with a uh, earphones in and place the uh, cord outside the window to the recorder to amplify my hearing. And my bed was right towards the window. So not only could I hear good even without a recorder, I could hear things approach in the gravel. Um, sometimes I didn't do that. Sometimes I would just either be too lazy and set the recorder someplace else or not have it on. This was the moment that I left for my late shift and the recorder was actually just recording after I drove out of the driveway. And so this is from 2018 and it's after one in the morning. So what you're about to hear is the sound of something that I might not have uh, found had it not been for what we found on the ground when I got home from work, what I found on the ground. I pulled up the Jeep to the side of the trailer there and I saw that there were blackberries trailing out like little tiny Reese's peanut M&Ms or Reese's pieces, I guess they are, <laughs> a la E.T. style, uh, to the tree line. And we'd had action before uh, out in this tree line over by the gravel road. So I followed the blackberries to the tree line, went back to the trailer, and saw that uh, none of the blackberries were chewed on. They looked as though they'd kind of just been dropped one by one, and they were scattered about underneath the canopy of the trailer. And as I was standing underneath the canopy... I felt something drip, and as it dripped down, I looked up because the canopy was exposed and open to, sh you know, shade the. It was very hot that year, and it was there just a shade, and dripping from underneath about six and a half feet up or seven feet up. I didn't really measure it. I know it's well over six and a half feet up. Um, was a spray of blackberry juice about, I'd say, eight inches long and about two inches wide and <laughs> that made no sense I knew that it was blackberry juice because it had every indication that it was I, I didn't lick it and like an idiot I didn't collect it because there was probably skin cell samples attached to it however I'm in that trailer right now recording this and the spray is still attached to this canopy. So I fast forwarded the audio to the biggest spike I could find, just thinking, okay, well, something was definitely here. And let's see if we can catch what that was auditorily on the spectrogram. So this is the Blackberry sneeze. Again, turn up that bass. Okay, well, that was slobbery goodness. It's hard to say that that was anything other than a sneeze. Now, was it a bear? You be the judge. 
<laughs> I'm sick of being the judge. Uh, I, you know, I don't have the luxury of being uh, unbiased anymore towards what happened at that property. Okay, our next clip is of a similar situation. Uh, only this time, I was inside the camper when this happened. As I said before, sometimes I'd be amplifying my hearing and listening through the recorder. And this was one of those moments. Now, as quiet as a person can be inside of a camper at 12 or 1 in the morning when you're hearing something approaching you on two legs, it's still hard to do. The best thing you can do is to not move or if you want to see what's going on, you get up in a hurry. And I had attempted to do that before and without much luck. Either I would see nothing and just hearing something as plain as day walk up to the, the camper. It would sound just like a, a person sometimes. And there'd be nothing out there. Or you'd suddenly hear something run out to the tree line and not see a thing run off in two legs right in uh, front of you or right, uh, you know, less than two feet from the back of you, just bounding like the previous sounds, the, the fence stomper sounds. And this, uh, this was one of those moments where I couldn't catch what it was. So you're going to hear something that sounds a little bit similar to what you just heard. You're going to hear something eating berries. And it sounds just like an animal. Very much like an animal eating berries. It's stripping it off the vine and, and smacking away. But then we're going to go in directly to the sound, the second clip. So I'm going to loop together. Uh, well, why don't we do it this way here? I'll play part one and part two together. And then we'll we'll talk about it. And then I'll play part one and two together again. Because these are longer, longer sounds. So you're going to hear... The eating of what I suspect are the blackberries all around the camper. And then you're going to hear it leave. And when it leaves, you're going to say, wow, that's, that's an animal leaving. Okay, let's, uh, let's play the sound.
Okay, so what you heard was in the beginning what I would say sounds something like something eating, something pulling brush, bushes, branches, mainly probably bushes, blackberry bushes, I believe. Um, we'd see the blackberry bushes stripped of thorns, leaves, and blackberries near the trailer. And nothing laying on the ground to indicate that it was, de- you know, debris falling and wiping it clean. It looked like something had stripped it. And you, you can, even if you amp it up, you can hear something chewing. It sounds like an animal. And then you hear me uh, kind of... I wasn't exactly stealthy getting up. I, I realized that. You get used to this phenomenon to a degree. You, you come to expect it. I mean, you never really get used to it. Uh, well, I suppose over time... That may have occurred, or it might still occur. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I realized I was a little bit loud there. So you hear the trailer kind of creaking. You hear me get in, getting up. The recorder's outside, and then you you hear some buddy run away. There, there's just no way that that's a deer uh, running quadrupedically. That's a bipedal something running away. And it sounds very human-like, but it sure wasn't eating like a human. Let's listen to that point where they notice that I'm up, scurry in the gravel, and then run off. someone running away on two legs after sounding like they're eating like an animal Uh, pretty plain and clear you be the judge the next sounds okay also around the same general area we found what I would call a sweet spot to where the recorder seemed to pick up more Sasquatch noises than, than other places we'd put it Things would get in real close when we'd put the recorder in this spot. Now, picture, if you will, this uh, metal shop that I've spoken of before. And there, outside of the wall of the metal shop, uh, little sticks in the form of what we would call glyphs or language or sign. Uh, They almost look like runes, alphabetic runes, but they weren't quite runes. They... They may have been, some people say it's an Enochian language that they're using in order to spell things out, right? This angelic language. Nonetheless, we would use these four sticks that were left. They're all about eight inches long, little twig sticks, about the same circumference. And periodically, these sticks would change shapes and they would be right up against this metal shop wall in the gravel. And they would be changed quite often we would put things in the sticks like little magnet balls and record the sound of the magnet balls colliding together it's a very distinctive distinctive sizzle sound i don't know if anyone's ever messed with sizzle magnets before but they make a really interesting little sizzly sound i don't have them here that'd be tremendous audio actually to play for you the sound but uh, check those out they make a very interesting sound we would hear those sounds uh you know act 
activated, for lack of a better word. And then the sizzle ball magnets would be exactly where we left them, as though something picked them up, enjoyed them, or played with them, I guess, and then put them back separated, never really locked together. There was a moment where near one of these glyphs, I buried a silly putty egg. You know, a little red silly putty egg that you'd see at a five and dime. And I buried it in the gravel. Well, I went to see if they found it. And it didn't look like they had. It was right exactly where I I had buried it. About an inch and a half underneath the, the gravel. Well, I opened it up nonetheless. And when we opened it up, it had absolutely been reburied. Something had grabbed the egg. We could see little tiny, dusty, muddy fingerprints on it. And as we rolled camera, there was uh, Ren, who spoke earlier on this particular podcast. I played a clip, and Daryl also there. And as we opened up the silly putty egg, inside the egg, inside the putty, was a little tiny dermal fingerprint. And next to the fingerprint was a little silver bead placed inside the putty. Something obviously put the bead inside there, closed the case, and put the gravel back almost exactly. Uh, In fact, it didn't even look like the gravel had moved. Uh, We took a photograph of what each individual rock looked like, and they were all laying in the exact same manner as we had left them. Now, that's an incredible amount of and you know anal detail that uh, was being paid close attention to uh, to if you can imagine a hundred little tiny rocks all being shifted around to grab a red plastic egg and then putting those back exactly where you had found those so they match the before and after photo I won't get into I don't have time I guess in this to get into my theory about how that's done but let's just say that it might not just be done through typical means. Anyway, we, we found this sweet spot. We'd leave the recorder behind the metal wall facing towards this sweet spot outside where things would come and go. Now, prior to the sound I'm about ready to play, Henry Franzoni shows up to my live event, which is at that time in Cottage Grove. And... He showed up for one of the present uh, presenters, uh, Kirk Sigurdsson, to listen to him and then stayed afterwards and we all, you know, just kind of BSed a little bit at the bar. And this is a clip that I play, I'm going to play for you, of Henry Franzoni, author of Spirit at Seattle, uh, a scientist on native land in uh, Washington State. And if you haven't read Henry's book, Spirit of Seattle, it's all about place names for uh, Sasquatch activity, i.e. names like Devil or Wendigo or Spirit or, you know, Skookum, Sasquatch. All these names of mountains, rivers, lakes, campgrounds got their name, even Pandemonium, (laughs) most likely they got their name for a reason. Anyway, Henry's a brilliant man. Spent, I believe, over five years up in the Mount Hood wilderness with Peter Byrne and I believe John Glickman and uh, were funded by, I believe, the government to quote-unquote study the wildlife up in Mount Hood, including Bigfoot. 
And if you get a chance to look at the Glickman Report, that's Glick, like G-L-I-C-K-M-A-N, Glickman Report, or read the book. It talks all about Henry's experiences. And Henry has some pretty uh, outrageous ideas about how Sasquatch do what they do and how the spirit world does what it does. In fact, Henry was the one, and I'll just call this the Franzoni technique, that told us if we ever want to catch EVPs, we need to look between the layers. And I, I probably mentioned that to some degree. And oh, by the way, I, I went back and listened to some of this audio here, and I alluded to uh, a, a date incorrectly. And I believe I said that uh, something was in the year 2020. And this, this show is not about time travel. <laughs> so if, I, if you go back and you heard me say 2020, and I meant 2019. I just wanted to clear that up. Anyway, Henry Franzoni has some pretty outrageous uh, theories, as I said, about how to record EVPs. And he said, you know, you need to record between the layers. And that means record a recording or a recording, either with video or audio. And that's how we came up with some of the EVPs you heard. So I pay particular attention to his genius. But he's also a tremendous musician, a drummer, in fact. And he told me early on that Sasquatch like drumming. In fact, they're fascinated with drumming. And him as a drummer, uh, he thinks that's pretty damn cool. And so this is his talking before he comes out to the property that evening back at the pub where I did my live event about drumming. So I'm going to play this clip and then we'll talk about what happened afterwards. Six. They like six. I don't know why. Um, they like six phrased as 18. Um, like three sixes in a row. They like three sixes. I don't know why. I have no clue why. No theory. I've just spent a lot of time being a drummer trying to identify what rhythmic imagination Sasquatch had. That's like one of the questions I want to know about Sasquatch is, what is their rhythmic conception? <laughs> but maybe it's too out there for you guys. But. Okay, so what Henry's alluding to and what he's uh, saying in that clip to uh, cliff note it down is that he's noticed that there is some kind of signature uh, between the number six and the rhythm of six and possibly six times two uh six 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 uh that's that's uh i don't know what to say about that but uh they may be interested in a, a six beat rhythm there's also um and maybe i'm giving too much away but uh, something about the rhythm of bolero that we get into the the song bolero i don't know if any of you are familiar with that but that's the uh classic dudley moore film 10 they play that song bolero in there and He's had activity with the rhythm of Bolero, which is heavily uh, marked with the beginning of, of uh, snare drum, I believe, in the beginning and all throughout the song. It's quite a lengthy uh, ballad, and it seems to work as far as eliciting activity. It may be something you want to try on your own here. We're talking about drumming, though, and we went back to the Al Moon lab area, sat around the fire pit, and uh, the drumming conversation 
continued. And we talked more and more about the, uh, Henry being a drummer and, and, and exactly what could be going on, passing around theories, having a couple beers. And a couple days later, I uh, popped back into town because by then I'd already moved out. This was in, um, I believe, around May of 2019 this occurred. And I left the recorder and I said, is this in the sweet spot? Uh, and what we recorded was the sound of something approaching. And it is right up against the wall where this recorder is. And you're going to hear drumming. And the drumming sounds like it is beating on the 50-gallon diesel barrel next to this shop wall, which we had gifts appear on and around before. It is a, uh, an empty, large metal diesel barrel, the kind that you've heard about before. And it sounds like drumming on top or near the recorder and then you're going to hear something snarl, talk, and grunt while it's drumming. So in within that there you heard drumming. We just had a drummer out, Henry Franzoni, three days earlier. Something approaches for the first time ever, over 1,400 hours worth of audio, maybe more. We never heard any drumming like that. We never heard any drumming. Uh, now, was there a six-beat rhythm? I don't know. Go back and listen. I don't, I'm not a drummer. I don't know what a six-beat is even. But there was certainly drumming after we had a drummer out. And then these snarl, huffs, growls, and speech. If you're not familiar with how Sasquatch talks and you haven't heard the Sierra sounds, go download them on YouTube, order Ron's book, Voices in the Wilderness or Quantum Bigfoot, and you'll hear something very similar. I can't say absolutely what we have there, but it certainly is interesting, to say the least. When I told Henry about the sounds there, I said, I think you have a fan. And he goes, oh, I know that. <laughs> yeah, all right. He knows that. Okay, we're coming to the end of the show here. But what about language? I said they speak. I said uh, the Sierra sounds. Well, let's let's play some sounds. We have two more, I think, in the vault here. And the second to last sound here is going to be far off in the woods somewhere with, I believe, the parabolic dish. And this would be the summer of 2018. 
One clip left. Now this last clip is certainly not the last clip of all we have. This will be 21 and done. This is an either-or situation. What you're about to hear is either someone call blasting, which is the act of standing out in the woods with a large amplifying device and playing what are suspected to be Sasquatch yells, whoops, hollers, whatever we're going to call this here. I guess I'd call it a, a Sasquatch siren yell. Or it's the real thing. It passed the snuff test for the ears that wanted to hear it. Let's have you take a listen. We're going to play a sound from 2018, the summer hits of Sasquatch sounds. And this is the Sasquatch yelled, looped three times. And there you have it. 21 sounds. And the last one, I told you, it's an either-or situation. Can't really get around that. So, you be the judge. I'm sure some of you have more experience at audio crafting than I do and can break these down. Get back to me, of course, at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. Get back to me in general uh, regarding these sounds here. This took a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to just do a podcast, but to smuggle clip after clip and edit it just so that it would help me the long way to figure out whether or not this all came across to you, because I know it's a lot to digest, and it's a little bit, um, you know, as I say, it's a potpourri of weirdness, and uh, it's hard to all coalesce into one coherent message. I, I hope that that came through. It's it's a strange place. We kind of titled it, uh, you know, the Twin to Skinwalker Ranch. We called it the Skin Twin. A lot going on there, a lot more than I could, you know, produce for you in an hour and 15 minutes here. Lots of physical 
video, auditory evidence, you know, eyewitness testimony, geological, uh, historical backing to why this place may be weird and getting into some of the people that used to live on the land out there. All these things took a tremendous amount of effort to research and write a book about. And here's just, like I said, 20% of the stuff. Now, I, I hithered and dithered whether or not to play the next sound for you, and I, I decided I'm not going to. And uh, the reason is because I'm going to present it at some conferences next year. Um, I'm also going to add it into a membership format or a Patreon page here. Let me know whether or not uh, you want more audio like this, because if you do, then we can work out a way that I can present it to you. And um, the talks that I'll be giving, uh, I'll be giving one at the Oregon Ghost Conference up in Seaside, Oregon next year. I'll be giving one at the Wolf Creek Inn in June next year, which is an Oregon incredibly haunted old inn. And then I'll um, also be presenting it at a Sasquatch Summit, I believe that is in Auburn, Washington, coming up in June through Barb Shoup and Sandy Nelson. More information on all three of those conferences coming up. But uh, it's the sound of these mystery women, and I think they deserve their own episode, not just a clip. So uh, I'll tell you more about this sound clip. But uh, in short, it's a conversation between two or three women, I believe. Um, and it's it qualifies as an EVP, but it's about 15 to 20 seconds long. Uh, it has a lot to it. It's an unknown language. It's absolutely a language, and it does not belong on my recorder, or maybe it does. It's it's certainly a mystery, but um, that's a future episode of Strange Brow Radio. Okay, that's it for me. And oh, don't forget to look into the Manresa Castle. Well, not only the Manresa Castle, on October 11th and 12th at the Point Casino in Kingston, Oregon, the second annual Sasquatch Symposium. I'll be there. I'll have a booth. Biggie will be there. We'll be doing live interviews and such. It's your chance to come meet me and all of the rest of the people at the Point Casino. That's October 11th and 12th. And then, as I said, Manresa Castle. Podcastle live at the Haunted Manresa Castle in Kinks in Port Townsend, or Port Townsend, Washington. Oh, it's been a long day. Check it out at the Castle NPT, the castleinpt.com. Anyway, shoot me an email if you'd like to be a guest. Give me some feedback. Let me know you heard this episode and share, like, subscribe, and hit those reviews. Those five-star reviews always help. That's it, and I will see you in the trees.